Amanda Lynn Ward Romine was a 30-year-old from Springfield, Ohio. She was married but had no children and had been a dancer. On July 9th, 2013, Amanda was at her sister's where she was staying. Amanda left the house, got into the car of somebody picking her up, and left. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Ferris Bueller once said, Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Little did I know when I was 16 years old seeing that movie how true that statement would be. Now, I'm 51. Well, uh, 51 in a couple days. And I do wonder where the time has gone. Maybe all of you feel the same way. Yet, despite feeling like time is flying by, we put off things to later. That we should be doing right now. This is the same situation with missing persons cases. As you all know, no family ever thinks a disappearance will happen to them. That only happens to others. That there's plenty of time to resolve grievances and to express emotions then there isn't. Well, in the disappearance of Amanda Ward Romine, she had led a tumultuous life, but everyone thought she'd be around for a long time. Then Amanda was gone. And this reminds us that it happens quick. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, charlieproject.org. Org. Amanda Ward Romine was not like her siblings. The other three have lived on the straight and narrow path. Amanda, well, she liked to venture off into the brush and bushes. Amanda unfortunately got into drugs, and that got her put into prison, both state and federal. Amanda got out in 2009 and got married her family hoping she would stay out of trouble. And she did. However, the marriage was turbulent, with Amanda showing signs of abuse. Yet, in early June 2013, Amanda went to live with her sister, preparing for a divorce. So, on July 9th, 2013, after a month in which Amanda's husband, Danny, tried to work his way back into her good graces... Amanda left her sister's house in Indian Lake, Ohio. Her sister's daughter saw Amanda get into a car being driven by a man who was not Danny. However, this man could have been one of Danny's friends named Larry. Amanda spoke to her sister later that day. She said she'd be back in a couple of days. She was never seen again. Danny told both Amanda's family and the police 
that he never saw her on July 9th or any day after. Yet, two months later, due to a curious renter, Amanda's DNA was found in the crawl space of an apartment owned by Danny in Springfield, Ohio. Still, no charges have ever been filed. We hardly ever talk about forensics on Unfound. Why? Because DNA very rarely ever plays a role in the investigation of missing persons cases. That is, until remains are found. However, as you just heard, forensics will be part of the discussion today. But still, Amanda is missing. What's the best way to make progress on this disappearance? By trying to answer these three questions. Number one, what can be done to compel the person who picked Amanda up that day to talk? Number two, why would someone have put Amanda in that crawl space? Would not have putting her someplace permanent been easier? And number three, should we be suspicious of the renter himself since he was a friend of Danny's and has an extensive criminal record? Amanda's family certainly believes foul play occurred. The guest for this episode is Amanda's sister, Aliyah Dancer. Unfound news. It's the last Friday of the month, so you know what that means. Newsletter. It will be in your email inbox on August 1st. If you'd like to be on the list, contact me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. The audio version will be released a week later on our website. Next, yesterday Dr. Telesco and I got to speak again. As usual, I had a great time. We discussed Megan Lancaster and all the corruption that has occurred in Portsmouth, Ohio over the past three decades. However, as I stated during yesterday's show with Grace, I still question whether Mike Moran had anything to do with Megan's disappearance. Please find the show on both her and Unfound's YouTube channels. Finally, Yes, this Sunday is my birthday. I gotta say, being born on August 1st might be the coolest thing about me. It's just a cool date. It just sounds cool. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Spotify, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Deezer, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us for the Unfound Live Show. All of you can talk with me, and I can answer your questions. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfoundpodcast. I also need to give a huge shout out to all the people who have monetarily contributed using Super Chat during the live show on Wednesday nights. Thank you for watching and thank you for donating. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. Shirts at unfound podcast or you can track down my assistant Heather in the Facebook group. 
playing cards at makeplaincards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfound podcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the sister of Amanda Ward Romine, Aaliyah Dancer. Aaliyah, welcome to Unfound. Hello, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Let's start here. Uh, As I just stated, you are Amanda's sister. How many uh, siblings are there in your family? And uh, Amanda, older, younger? uh, let's uh, Let's talk about that first. Okay, um, we have an older brother, and then there is me, and then there is Amanda, and then we have a younger sister. Okay. So there's so, four of us in total. All right, one guy and three women. Yes. Okay, and you and Amanda were in the middle. Yes. Oh, uh, you were the meat of the sandwich, I guess. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> as far as ages go, uh, you are a little bit older than Amanda. What, what is the age difference? All of us girls were two years apart. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I'm 40. I can't think right offhand her age. <laughs> okay. So your 40 should be roughly 38 then now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And how did uh, all four of you uh, get along? Would you say that uh, similar personalities or maybe even compare and contrast yourself with Amanda, was she more introverted, more outgoing, or how would you compare yourself to her? As kids, I mean, we all kind of got along, you know, normal kids, you know. As we got older, it was kind of weird because we was raised by the same parents, had the same parents, and it was like oil and water between some of us, the way huh. we we continued our lives on, you know. Um, yeah. Amanda was... Very outgoing, wild. Um, she liked the fast life, you know. Just she, she lived life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. She was her philosophy was she didn't want to, you know, tiptoe to death, you know, quietly, you know. Mm-hmm. Like she, she wanted to enjoy life. She was very outgoing. Me, on the other hand, I had kids young. Yeah. You know, I was one of those conservative people that just had okay. kids young and did what I was supposed to do. Uh-huh. Well, Maybe being that you're talking about that, when did you kind of notice that uh, divergence between you and, of course, you're two years older? Uh, when did you kind of notice that divergence? What was the first time that you kind of said to yourself, well, it looks like uh, Amanda's taking a different path than I am? I would probably say in our early teens, I mean, like probably Seven, sixteens, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. I noticed a little more like rebelliousness as far as you know, listening to mom and dad, things mm-hmm. like that. Like I could, you know, schooling wise, I just noticed it was like more of a fight with her hmm. with things than it was with the rest of us. And huh. So would you say that your brother and your other sister are more like you or more like Amanda? My brother kind of is. Probably now, kind of, he doesn't have any kids, so mm-hmm. he kind of, okay. I don't know, he's kind of not, he's not quite like Amanda, but he's not quite like me. Okay. And my other little sister, she's got two kids that are grown up. She's uh-huh. 
not she's never really been in any type of trouble or anything so she's still kind of conservative um mm-hmm. so none of us i mean i think amanda right. was probably the only one that kind of right. she was the unique one to, she kind yes, of stuck she was. out okay gotcha all right, so let's talk a bit, a little bit more uh, about Amanda. Like uh, Amanda, like you said, it sounds to me like um, you noticed that. Of course, you are not her parent; you're just a, a sibling. You're not in charge of her in any way, but you notice kind of a change in those uh, early to middle teen years. Um, you know what were co- some of her interests? We'll get into how she really, you know, got into some trouble and things eventually. But just what was she into? Um, Music-wise, other interests, you know, just give um, the listeners an idea of what you think of when you think of Amanda and what she was into. She she liked to hang out with friends. Like, she always liked to be around crowds of people. Um, and she was so funny. Like, she was always so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, a very outgoing person. She loved music. She loved to dance. Um, she was like, kind of like that type of person. Like she just liked to be around crowds. She liked to be around friends, music, like loud scenery, like clubs, stuff like that. You Mm -hmm. know, things like she liked to be around stuff like that. Okay. All right. And as far as, uh, schooling, I, uh, kind of uh, led me to believe maybe schooling was not the number one priority in her life. Uh, Did she graduate high school? What did she do? She sure did. Okay. My parents made sure okay. that was something she did. She sure did. Okay. Great. And what did she do after high school? She um she didn't do anything. I mean, we got her through school. That was the big thing. Like my parents said, you know, if I get you through high school, you know, we don't expect you to go through college, but at least we got you through high school. You need to, you know, make the most of at least getting that diploma and do something with it. But she kind of would work in bars because she liked that type of lifestyle. She liked to work in bars. She worked in strip clubs. She liked to do that type of stuff. That's what she did for a very, very long mm-hmm. time. And okay. I mean, she made really good money at it. Okay. So it's, when you, uh, when you say uh, strip club, do you mean as a dancer or do you mean yes. as, as a dancer? Yep. Okay. Yep. And then in the bar, maybe a, a bartender or something. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So that was what uh, she was into after, uh, high school, and just to remind all the listeners that when she went missing in in 2013, she was 30 years old. So um, let's move on to this. Uh, this guy is going to play a, a prominent role in this uh, discussion, but um, just in general, let's talk a little bit about Danny Romine, R-O-M-I-N-E. Um, how did Amanda and Danny meet? Do you remember them first meeting? How long, you know, of course they ended up getting married, but uh, in general, you know, what do you remember about those times when Amanda and Danny first met? Amanda, him and Amanda met at a strip club. Um, And they met several years before they even got married, obviously. Okay. Um, And then they kind of, like dated off and on they'd see each other off and on it never was anything serious for a long time Mm -hmm. and then amanda kind of got caught up in some trouble okay and then she got sent off she got sent off to prison 
Okay, we'll talk while. about we'll talk about that. And when she got out is when they ended up becoming a couple. Is that how you remember yes. it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And and in general, if you can remember, what year might that have been? When she got out. Yeah, and then they started actually becoming a couple, and then ended up getting married. What approximately what year? If she went missing in twenty thirteen. 2005, 2008. Let's see, 2000... Probably like 2009, I would say. Okay. Yeah, probably like 2009, I would say. Okay. Do you believe that's the year they got married? Did you go to the wedding? Yes, I did go to the wedding. And that is... I, I believe that's the same year they got married. Okay. Two, I know it was like in June. It was in June. Okay, so 2009 uh, is when they get married after she got out of jail. But they had known, you're, you're leading us to believe that they might have known each other since maybe 2005, 2004. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they knew each other for a time. He actually sent her money in prison, took care oh, of her. Okay. Like, you know, so, yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, she goes to jail. He keeps in contact with her, sending her money. They get out, uh, or she gets out. They get married, and do they have any kids? No. No kids. Okay. No. Does uh, Amanda have any children at all? No, she doesn't. She does not. Okay. No. Let's move on to this. Uh, let's just move into some of these issues. You've kind of already uh, talked about her going to jail. Um but uh, I, I'd like to start here. It's a very common topic on the program, and we only talk about it because we know that addiction can lead to disappearances, and that always has to be figured into and analyzing them and figuring out if the addiction could have had a role in the disappearance. You know, are there any avenues of inquiry that can be uh, made from the addiction angle? Do you remember the first time that? You might have uh, found out, figured out, decided that uh, Amanda was into drugs. Does, does that occur to you now? What year it might have been? Or I think she started probably, like I said, her early teens. I would probably mm-hmm. say 17, 18 is when she kind of probably started testing the waters mm-hmm. as far as doing some drugs and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was anything serious. You know, I mean, any type of drug is serious to me. Yeah. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it led into anything serious until her later of life, you know. Yeah. I I think it was just more testing the waters because she was a teenager. Right. To see what she could, you know, get away with. Right. Either at the beginning, I mean, is this something that you think you realized on your own? Did you, like, see it or did you see her behaving a certain way and you suspected it? Well, how do you remember it? Yourself. Not for anybody else, but you personally. Behavior-wise is what I noticed with her. I could just notice her distancing herself away from the family, away from us. I was always very close to her. I mean, I have, you know, another brother and another sister, but Mm -hmm. me and Amanda was always very, very close. Even growing up, we was very close. I always looked out for her, took care of her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could just, I just would notice she'd pull herself away. And it seemed like the more sometimes we try to help her, the further she'd get away from us. Wow. Okay. So it was just her actions, uh, nothing, you know, explicit like you saw her doing drugs. It was just her behavior and, and, and choices she was making. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
did you ever talk, whether it was right there at the beginning or even uh, not long before she disappeared? Either way, all the all those years, did you ever talk to her about her addiction? You know, what did she have to say about it? What kind of conversations, if you can say, if you feel comfortable talking about it, did you ever have any conversations uh, about it? Millions of times I did with her. I would beg her to just, you know, it was it wasn't like I guess the easiest way to explain. It wasn't like she was one of those people that just constantly stayed strung out on anything, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, she liked to drink, she liked to do her drugs, but it wasn't every day, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. there was days she would be completely sober. She she was a functioning person to society also, so it wasn't mm -hmm. like she was just some strung out person. Okay. But I would always tell her, like, you know, this is going to lead to trouble, it's going to lead to worse things. You know, Amanda, you know, you really need to think about your life. You're getting older. You know, I always did. And I was always that mother figure to the other, you know, to my siblings. Because mm -hmm. I had kids at a young age. Yeah. Our mom was sick, you know, towards the end of life. You know, so I always looked out for the rest of the kids. And I, I begged her always. And she, you know, her big thing was, is like, she always felt like, because she didn't have any kids, that she just like didn't feel like she was needed or was ever, you know, to, like she didn't have a reason. Hmm. To, to keep, you know what I mean, to keep herself together, like, mm -hmm. I, and it was... Yeah, uh, I think the, I, I mean, I don't have any kids, as the listeners know, but I think what you're saying is sometimes people who are on that path, that they do uh, end up having kids, it kind of puts a break on all of that, you know, that the, the, the kids kind of become the guardrails to keep, you know, the adults, the parents on the, on the road. Yeah, well, straight narrow. Right. And of course, the, as we know, some people have kids and continue to still do that, and that's and that's really bad. But certainly, we know that some people have kids, straighten their you know their lives out, and become very good parents, very good people, very good husbands, wives, whatever. That's true. And but I so I understand what you're I, I understand what you're saying. I think in our society, I think that it would be true that people who do not have children are more likely to have addictions and vices and things like that than people who have kids. I, I don't, I, I have no doubt about that. So I, I, I certainly understand what you're saying, and I can say that as a single person myself. Um, did she ever attempt rehab? Did you ever talk to her about that? Uh, what were those conversations like? We did. I mean, basically, I mean, her rehab, she actually didn't have a choice when it came to rehab because she had to go to prison, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, she did do very productive in prison. She did four years in Ohio Reformatory for Women, wow. and then she actually did, she got a two-year sentence in the federal prison for women, and, and in federal prison, you only serve half of your sentence, which she served, like, I think 18 months, something like that, but she went straight from Marysville to the federal prison, and she was a very productive person in got a culinary arts degree because she loved to bake and cook and things like that too and i mean she was a great cook like mm -hmm. she so she was very productive when she was in there and I, you know she she did right and it was like i i just felt like that structure is what she needed you know she, yeah i mean it was the type of person she needed somebody to tell her what to do at all given times mm -hmm. and she was okay by that like mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah like she needed that structure because if she would left to her own devices, it was tough. Yes. Okay. She couldn't make gotcha. good decisions on her own. Okay. All right. So we have this drug angle, and I do have to ask, what was her, her drug of choice? What, what, what was she into? 
Cocaine. Cocaine. Okay. Let's move on to this. Uh, you've mentioned uh, a couple times now that you spent time in jail, in prison, even federal prison. Um, why was that? What did she do? For example, just uh, I just we'll just talk about I think the one, one times that you're speaking when she went into jail and Danny was sending her money. Why was she in jail that time? She was with um, some people, and they evidently these people. I'm just going to say people. I'm not going to bring any names in. You don't have to. These people were not good people. Evidently, they were already being watched by the DEA. And they, Amanda was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Let's put it that way. And mm. they busted them with a whole bunch of drugs. Wow. And like I said, she was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And that goes to show you, Amanda was not involved in none of this big drug ring that they had going on. She just happened to be there one night hanging out with them all. And she landed her a nice little ticket to prison for wow. a little over five years just for being there, basically. Oh and that's the truth. Well, so she went to jail in uh, so five years, so essentially like 2003, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she went to prison when my son was a little over a year old, and he was born in 2003. Okay. And so he was, it was like 2004 was when she went. Okay. Because I remember dropping her off. And that was one of the hardest things I had to do was drop her off at the jail oh to go turn herself in that day to go serve her time, you know, to go start her sentence. Wow. Yeah. That's what, like would, what do you remember about that? What did she say to you? What do you remember those like final words before she had to walk into the jail? What What do you remember about that? Aaliyah? I remember pulling up and I just looked at her and I said, you know, you know, her big thing was she was so worried about me, me and the kids. Yeah. She was so worried if I was going to be all right with, you know, the three kids. Because I had three kids. And, you know, I depended a lot on my sister. Just for mm -hmm. talks, you know, things like that. Like, yeah. and, you know, I looked at her and I said, this is your time to get your life together. And when you get out, you know, it's all going to be behind you and you can start fresh. Yeah. You know, I'll be fine. I will write you. Me and the kids will come visit you. And I faithfully came and visit her, you know, twice a month. Yeah. And, I mean, it was hard, but at least I knew where she was going to be for that time. And I knew, mm. basically, for the most part, she was going to be safe. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I knew where she was going to be. I didn't have right. to worry about her out in strip clubs dancing or out drinking or being with the wrong crowd, you know. I didn't have to worry about none of that. It was like, but it was, I mean, basically I felt like I was dro you know, dropping one of my kids off to prison. Like, I mean, cause she was like, I looked after her like one of my kids. Yeah. And so she was in there, like you said, for about five years, four or five years. Yep. And she went from one prison and she had to do federal time too. Yep. And, um, her, when she got out, which we knew, we knew when she got, we knew when her out date was at Marysville and her, the DEA agent was really nice. He was like, she's going to have a seven hour pass. He's like, I got a seven hour gap to get her there. He's like, you and your dad, I will meet you guys at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'll let you guys spend a couple hours with her. So she's not shackled, you know, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. She had been in prison for five years. So we got to meet up with her for a couple hours and got to see her before she went on to the next prison. And, yeah, I mean, it was... Hmm. And so you went to see her twice a month all that time? 
yeah, sometimes wow. even more faithfully with three kids in tow. <laughs> you know, I took the kids because I also wanted my kids to see my two oldest daughters. They was old enough to realize I wanted you, you know, I wanted them to see because some people was like, you know, you shouldn't do that. No, I want them to see this is what it's like if you don't act right and follow the rules in life. Mm-hmm. This is where you go. This is what happens to you. All right. So this is a situation where you go and there's like the the glass and you're on one side, she's on the other, or? Well, no, in prison we got to see her, physically sit at a table, see her, and stuff oh, okay. like that. But to get in, I mean, you got searched, you got wanted yeah. down, I mean, even the kids included. Like, yeah. And you went through, I can still remember the way I felt. We would go through one door. Once we got searched and everything, you'd go in this like holding cell type door, and then you'd go to another door, which was outside. You could walk across to go into like the visiting hall. And I can still remember every time I'd go, I'd get really bad anxiety because all I would see was this barbed wire around me. Like, I would never make it in this place. Like, I don't know how people, like, I, I me personally, I would never make it in there. Like, I would get such anxiety just yeah. when I would walk across, you know what I mean? Just being locked in there like that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I feel the same way about myself. Okay. So she gets out, and as we've already talked about, she eventually got married to Danny Romine. Um, but let's talk a little bit uh, more in depth about him and uh, about uh, their marriage. Um, what kind of marriage was it? We have to remember if they got married in 2009, she went missing in 2013, so they were married for roughly four years. What was that time like? Explain it to the listeners. Well, I mean, it was, I mean, it was great. Like any other, you know, I mean, he, I mean, Danny was a nice guy. Like I met him. I mean, he always was really nice to me and my kids. I mean, he always spent time with my kids. He always, um, he was always, uh, he always made sure, I mean, even my kids, like he always made sure like we was taken care of, um, and it was like they, for a long, for a while, they had a really good life. I mean, everything went great. They, he bought a house, he gutted it, fixed it up while she was in prison. You know, sent her pictures. And it was like after you know she got out, it was like they got more comfortable. I guess you could say they'd go out drinking, and then they would, you know, start their fighting and arguing, and. Mm-hmm. You know, then it was like, then it would get a little more worse the next time. Then there'd be like some domestic in it and stuff like that. It was like, Mm -hmm. like they wasn't drinking together. They was great. But it's like, if you mixed any drugs or alcohol together, you're mixing like fire and gasoline together. Right. Right. Would you uh, say that uh, the marriage was abusive? In the beginning, no. Mm-hmm. And then towards, like I said, the once mm-hmm. they was married for a while. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever see uh, Amanda with any bruises, things like that? Yes. You did. Yes. Okay. Black eyes. Okay. Actually, I had to take pictures. Hmm. But yes. Okay. 
did uh, of course we'll get to eventually 2013 but in let's say 2011 2012 any fi charges filed 911 calls p uh, police showing up at the house things like that i'm sure there probably was i'm sure there was um mm -hmm. like i said they lived in springfield at the time i lived at indian lake but i'm sure in their time of marriage there was several times cops were called. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think maybe Amanda may even have been taken to jail at one point in time for some domestic. And then Danny may have been taken to jail at one point in time for some domestic. I mean, okay, it was, yeah. Okay. And maybe I should ask you, uh, I should have asked you this before, but uh, Danny for work, what did he do? Uh, and what did uh, Amanda end up doing with her life once she got out of uh, jail? What, what were they doing for money? Danny owned a bar. So that's kind of what he did. Okay. Uh, and Amanda worked there. Okay. So, so they had this bar together. Yeah. Okay. All right, so they have this marriage, you know. Okay. Okay, so they have this bar. This is what they're doing. Uh, abusive marriage. There's signs of uh, violence. She has bruises, but it seems sometimes that Amanda herself also went to jail. So maybe uh, she was dishing it out a little bit as well. Maybe, and, and, you know, if you believe that she got taken to jail a few times herself, so. We have this uh, going on uh, in, once again, not in 2013, but maybe 2011, 2012. You're talking to her. Did she ever talk about getting a divorce or anything she like that? She had, like, attempted to leave him several different times. And, of course, when she left, she came to my house. And, and I was completely fine with that because it was, like, it was getting pretty, pretty repetitive as far as the abuse, you know, mm. the fights and things like that. And, it, but then she would always go back, always go back, always go back. And mm. it was like, like I said, you, you try to talk to her. And sometimes it was like, I just push her further away. Because then you'd have Danny in one ear. You know, things will be better. I won't do it again. Yeah. Then she'd go back, yeah. you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like back I do. and forth. And, it's like, sometimes mm -hmm. I felt like I was beating my head against a brick wall with the same result. And so basically, all I could do would, would just be, be there for her. You know, like, I didn't know yeah. what else to do. Like, I can't, you're not a child. I can't just tie you up and hold you hostage no. and make you divorce this right. man and stay away from him. That's like, right. That's right. Okay. So that was the situation in uh, you were in, and of course, uh, other families, uh, other family members of yours knew all about this too. Yes. Uh, so let's move up to this. Uh, so let's move up to those days and weeks before she went missing, and just to remind the listeners: um, she went missing on July 9th, twenty thirteen, and also for the record, uh, I'm doing this interview with Aaliyah on July twenty fourth, two thousand twenty one. So we just passed over eight years since she went missing. So in the days and weeks before, um, maybe let's just talk about this way. In the days before, she had decided to file charges and uh, against him, so I guess criminal charges of abuse or whatever. 
Um, what date was this? And then let's also talk about you went and picked her up and brought her to your house. Let's talk about that. I would probably say it was had to be probably. I was maybe a month before she went missing. Maybe six weeks, but it, they got to a really bad, bad fight. It was in the wee hours of the morning, and my phone rang, and it was her, and it was, it, it was pretty bad, and I knew it was bad. Here I am, in the wee hours of the morning, three kids, full-time job, single mom. Shutting my stuff down to Springfield to go pick her up in in full rage to have to go, you know, even deal with this. Yeah. I, I you know, yep. once again, I get her and I get her up to the house and, you know, finally I'm like, you know, something has to give Amanda. Like, I, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta stop somewhere. Like, you're, you're not only hurting yourself, but you're really, you know, you're, you're starting to tear everybody else up in the family. Cause at this point, you know, my parents are like, you know, they don't know what else to do. You know, it's like they don't know what to do at this point. So, so I, when you went to pick her up, was Danny there? I mean, what was? She was the, not. She was actually at a speedway in Springfield. All right, a convenience store <laughs> slash gas station yeah. speedway. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where I picked her up. Okay. I get her back to the house. I take the next day off work. Obviously, the cops and everything had already been called at this point. By the time I get down there and get her. Because the, the people at Speedway called the cops. Because evidently more had happened at the Speedway gas station there. He had went down there and evidently I don't I wasn't there to witness it or to know exactly all what happened. But evidently she had got a ride or got down to that Speedway somehow away from him. And he found her down there. And then more things happened and the people at Speedway called the cops. So at this point the mm. cops were already involved. Reports had been taken and the cops were waiting on me to come and get her. They were waiting with her. Hmm. So I came, I picked her up, um, and the next day I took off work, went back down to Springfield, and that's when we filed, you know, she filed all them charges. Okay. And finally, this was one time I'm like, okay, she's finally following through, she's filed, you know, she's going to hold through with the charges, because before, she wouldn't file the charges, or she'd, you know, hide from the little, you know, the little subpoena they'd send her you know how you can avoid all that stuff for cases and then they get thrown mm-hmm. out so finally she went down and filed charges and was like finally holding true sticking to her guns like he beat you up pretty bad this time like is this you know are you going to do something about it this time and i think this was i i thought it was a wake-up call for her okay so you could pick her up uh did you have a fear maybe that danny was going to come to your house I did it because, like I said, I lived far. I lived an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did, and I didn't. I didn't fear Danny like that, and I didn't. And I don't know why. And I don't know if it's because, if it was because it was a, a adrenaline over the years of just what I felt like. He not only you know did he torture my sister, but he tortured me and my kids also because of what he would do to my sister. You know, my kids would have to see her beat up. Or I'd have to go pick her up, and then I'd be worried. Does that make sense? Like, so yeah. I didn't fear him. I was just angry. So yeah. it's like if he did come to my house, I, I wouldn't have been afraid of him because I was so angry anyways at him. Okay. All right. So he's there uh, now by himself. She's with you. And 
Uh, I even have it here in my notes. So what, what was the plan? Was she going uh, going to live with you uh, forever for the foreseeable future until a trial happened? Um, what was exactly the plan? Once the next day ran, you know, came around and she, you know, you're talking to her now that the night's over and what was the plan that you were talking to her about? What was going to be the plan, let's say, for the next month or something? The way, the way Amanda is, the way you have to kind of like deal with Amanda, like she is, you have to take like one day or a couple days at a time with her. Like you can't plan ahead if that makes sense because then she gets all nervous and like worried does that make sense like you, you can't you have to kind of just do a couple days at a time with her if that makes sense like first things first let's get these charges going mm-hmm. you know let's get you obviously healed up from where you're beat up you know after we get yeah. situated you know, I, and at this point I thought I didn't care how long she stayed with me I didn't she could live with me forever I don't care I didn't care my thing was I just wanted what was best for her. I wanted her to be safe. You know, I wanted her to get a job. I just wanted her to have a life. Like, I wanted her to get away from that. Yeah. I wanted her to see that there was other stuff out there besides that mess she was sure. in. Sure. Like, I wanted to try to open her eyes. Like, there is other stuff out here. I okay. get you have a prison record. I understand that. But th- you can get a job. You can be a productive member of society with a prison record. Sure you can. And once again, what approximately, what date was this, do you believe? Of course, she went missing on July 9th, but what date do you believe it was that you drove down there and picked her up? So, I would say, I would say it would probably be the beginning part of June is when all that happened. So she was with you for over a month? Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. And so let's just talk about, in general, uh, that I didn't know it was that long. I have to admit to the listeners, uh, I didn't know it was that long, uh, a month and a week or something like that. So over those five weeks, just in general, how did things go? I mean, it was great. I mean, it was great. I, you know, we got her, you know, I had had a small house, but we made it work. You know, I worked during the day. She, you know, we got her, like I said, healed up. Um, She kind of hung out during the day. She would you know, do laundry, cook, you know, always had dinner ready when I'd come home. She felt like she had to do something because she wasn't working. Yeah. Um, and so then she's like, okay, I feel like I'm ready. I could probably start looking for a job. So, okay. So she found a little bar down the road that I wasn't too thrilled about because it was a bar setting. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't want to be one of those people. Okay. She's trying to get a job. So, and she's up here with me. So I thought, okay, you know, not that big of a deal you know i even kind of talked to my dad about it he's like she's up here with us you know he's she's close to us he's like i think she'll be okay he's like you know she likes that type of work so she got a job at a bar not too far from the house so i made sure she got back and forth to work you know she made i mean she made a friend or two she always came home right after work because obviously i was her pickup you know i picked her up took her work yeah I mean, it was great. It was great having her around. I mean, she wasn't out drinking. I didn't have to worry. She seemed like she, to me, she felt like she had everything, her life in order, if that makes sense. She seemed happy. She seemed like her old self again, like she had confidence Mm -hmm. and like she was just ready to do this, you know, ready to 
do what she had to do in life. Any belief that she was doing any drugs during this time? Nope. Nope. None. Okay. Because I told her I didn't have any. She knew. I would not tolerate that at my house with my children. And she knew that. Okay. What were some of the conversations about uh, Danny, about, uh, you know, that maybe I should ask you this. Were Danny and she in contact with each other during this time? They wasn't for a while because I uh, I got her a phone and I had her on my phone plan and I made sure that I kept an eye on her phone record. You know? I mean, because I was just trying to make sure. Yeah. Because obviously there was a restraining order in the process of the whole court. You know, when she filed charges, I made sure there was a restraining order. So he couldn't come to my house and start anything with my because my fear was my kids were there. Um, so there was a restraining order. Uh, so I kept an eye on her phone records and things like that. So for a while, I didn't see anything as far as his number. And then I started noticing her acting a little different. And what does that mean? She just... It seemed like she wanted to leave more... Or she she wanted to go up to Springfield and, like, spend the night with Danny or go talk to Danny. Or he just wants to talk. He wants to come up and visit. Just stuff like that. And she was like, well, we're just talking on the phone right now and things like that. She's like, he hasn't been drinking because he was a big, heavy drinker. She's like, and he hasn't been drinking. He's really going to you know, try to change his ways. He, you know, he wants to work this marriage out, things like that. And what'd you say to her when this would come up? I I just looked at her and I said, okay, so if he really wants to change his ways, I said, then why don't he go get in some rehab Mm -hmm. for his drinking and for his drugs? And And then after that, why don't you guys go seek some marriage counseling? Right. I said, and then, you know, maybe still stay apart from each other. I said, because obviously there's hand problems involved. I said, people like to put their hands on each other. I said, and someone's going to get seriously hurt. I said, which you almost did. Yeah. I said, so if he really wants to work things out, he's going to go above and beyond. And he wouldn't be asking you to come home after a couple of weeks thinking he's not drinking. Uh, it takes more than a couple of weeks to, for me to be on the straight and narrow to prove your point to someone. Right. Okay, so for a while they were not in contact, but then they started talking, which I'm sure was a bad sign to you. She's having some different behavior, and you know maybe you started to have some doubts. Yes. Okay. All right. So let's now move up to July 9th, 2013. Uh, what do you remember about that day? How did it start? What did you do? Uh, et cetera. Okay, well, the night before. Okay. The, the night before that. Okay. She had come to me and she's like, she wanted, because it was a Thursday. It was a Thursday night. She had come to me. I was in the kitchen and she's like, I think I'm gonna go to Springfield for the weekend. And I just blatantly, my mouth fell open, and I mean, I looked and I said, Are you out of your freaking mm-hmm. mind? Mm-hmm. And. So my kids were there, and I said, you know, let's go out to the porch. So we got to the porch, and I'm like, you know, I don't feel like this is a good idea. 
I was like, I just have this feeling that just something's not sitting right with me. She's like, I, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'll be all right. She goes, I'll be back Sunday. And I'm like, I don't think it's a good idea. I said, you know, if you really need to see Danny or if he wants to see you, I said, why don't you plan on him coming up here maybe Saturday? I'll be home all day. You know, mm-hmm. as much as I dislike this man, I would have much rather him hung out around me, whatnot, so I was home. Right. So I knew I didn't have her thoroughly convinced, but I gave her stuff to ponder on as far as, you know, I was like, as a mother, I said, I just don't have that gut. I have a gut feeling it's not a good idea. And I honestly have that gut feeling. So we went to bed. Everything seemed okay. I get up. I go to work the next morning. Well, my oldest daughter texts me and she said, Mom, Aunt Amanda left. Huh. And I said, where, huh? So I stepped out and called her. And she said, I only, you know, she caught a glimpse of the car, caught a glimpse of the guy that picked her up. Okay. And Amanda didn't take none of her stuff that she had at my house. Hmm. She only took, she was wearing it in her purse. And so that to me knew she had had plans to come back. Yeah. Um, And she was like, she, you know, she left. So at this point, I'm like, all right. So I had a couple hours left of work. So I get off work. You know, I reach out to Amanda. I was able to reach her. And she was in Springfield. She was there. Okay. And she obviously knew I wasn't very happy with her. But I, I mean, what am I going to do? She's an adult, you know? Yeah. She's an adult. So I said, well, you know. And I, I talk, like I said before, I talked to my sister every day, no matter what. I talked to her every day, no matter what. Even when she was in prison, I talked to her every single day. So she knew, you know, she's like, I'll get a hold of you tomorrow. You know, the whole nine. So here comes Saturday. I didn't hear anything. Nobody heard anything from her. So I'm like, I kind of call around to my brother, call around to my other sister. My, my dad's a truck driver, and I'm like, he kind of, I already told him that she went back to Springfield, and nobody, you know, nobody heard from her, and it, I mean, it wasn't strangely unusual that, you know, we didn't hear from her, it wasn't strangely unusual, but it was still the point, I knew where she was, and I knew the danger, so to me, I'm like, okay, I can't get a hold of my sister, so I didn't clearly panic at this point, it was, mm-hmm. like, so the next day was like Sunday, I still didn't hear nothing from her, and I'm like, okay. So then, that's when I started to get a little worried. Well, then I kind of told you my mom got really sick in the process of all this, and my mom got admitted into the hospital. So at this point, I'm already in Springfield with my mom at the hospital, still not able to get a hold of my sister. So then I go to their house. Okay. Nobody answers. Nobody answers the door. So my gut feeling is, is like I knew where Danny's parents lived, and I'm like, okay, let me just go there. I and I don't know why I had that feeling. I don't sent me there. I just went there. So when I went there, as soon as I walked in the gate to go up to knock on the door, like he answered the door. And he was like, she ain't here. I don't know where she is and closed the door. Danny was there. 
Yes. Danny was at his parents' house. Yes. Okay. Wasn't at his house. He was at his parents' house. At his parents. Okay. And All right. Then I knew. And so you didn't even say any words to her. He just volunteered. She's not here and slammed the door. Yep. Okay. Let me ask. Let me ask you some questions just to clarify a few things. Uh, when you did call her on July 9th, that would have been the day that she got picked up. In that phone call, did she ever say who picked her up? She did not. Hmm. And she wasn't willing to give me information who picked her up. All right. How long would you say that phone call was between you and her on July 9th? Just a few minutes. It was just okay. a few minutes. I was at work. Okay. And, I mean, it was just a few minutes. Did she give you any idea of what her plans were? Uh, you know, anything like that? Did you get any idea of where she was when you were talking to her? I could tell she was still in a car. Like, I could still kind of tell oh, she was in a car. Okay. And the, the plans were, I mean, her plans were, when she went to Springfield, it was supposed to be a quiet weekend just with her and Danny. Like, it was just going to be a quiet weekend. That's, that what, that's what she told you? Yeah, that's what okay. she told me that Thursday evening before like she left and I was just she's like you know it was just to spend some time with them and you know all this and she's like it was going to be a quiet you know weekend and you know I just I kind of knew better but mm -hmm. all right so it's possible the reason she didn't want to say who picked her up is because she was in the car with that person it's a possibility possibility okay so that is that the last time you ever spoke to her it is okay so you uh, tried maybe calling her on Saturday. Did it? Did the phone ring or did it go straight to voicemail? Do you even remember? A, a couple different times it rang, and then it would. Then after that, like it would go like to voicemail, and mm -hmm. like I said, I wasn't too terribly alarmed at first. It was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, but I, I wasn't trying to like panic, you know, because like I said, she was an adult. It was more Sunday when I really was like, wow. And that's when I, I panicked okay. Sunday. D, all right, so you went down there, and you're saying that your mother got sick because of this? She was worried, or was this something else? No, my mom had some underlining health conditions. Uh, okay. So this brought you to the Springfield area, so it was, I guess, convenient for you to go, like you said, to Danny's parents' house. Did you say that you went to where Danny and... Uh, Amanda, uh, Amanda lived. Yeah, I went there first. And nobody was there? Nobody was there. Okay. Did you go to the bar that they, I guess they owned it together, but did you go over there? I didn't. That would have been my third stop. That would have been your I, third something stop. something drew me to his parents' house. Okay. I, like I said, I don't know what, but something drew me to his parents' house. Okay. So you ended up at the parents' house. Danny just happens to be there, and he slams the door on. Did you just automatically leave? Did you sit out front and, and uh, try to figure out what to do? What did you do after that happened? Well, at first, I screamed at him, and I'm like, you're lying to me. You know where she is, where she came down here this weekend, and that's when he yelled through the door, I haven't seen her. Go away. And so basically at this point... That's when I go to the police station. And Okay. Did you, did you get the idea that his parents were there, or did you get the idea he was there by himself? His parents, I believe, were there. Because I've seen their cars there, so I'm assuming okay. he was probably there. But I okay. physically didn't see him. 
Okay. So once again, just to recapsulate uh, uh, all this, uh, put this in a nutshell, on July 9th, you go to work. Somebody picks her up, and we'll get to that eventually, who that might have been. You find out about this from your oldest daughter who saw her leave. You talk to her. She's uh, allegedly says she and Dan are just going to spend the weekend together, and she won't say who picked her up. You start to get a bad feeling about this on Saturday when you can't reach her. On Sunday, your mother has some health issues, so that brings you to Springfield. You start, uh, I guess, snooping around, going to the, her house. Nobody's at Amanda and Danny's house. You go to his parents' place, and he's there, and his parents are probably there as well. Yes. Okay. And then you go to the police. What happens next? Well, at first, when I go down there, it's kind of like, I mean, blatantly kind of just look at me like, well, she's an adult, you know. There's not too much we can do, and it took a whole lot of persuasion and to be like, something's not right, and then kind of once I finally got someone to, like, really listen to me and was able to have them, like, you know, look, pull them up, look at their names. As far as domestic violence, you know, look, yeah. I, you know, you guys need to look at this. Like, this, I'm not down here to waste no one's time if I thought, mm -hmm. you know, and finally... You know, I found somebody that was willing to take me seriously. Somebody in the police department. And yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So we started the process as a, as a missing persons. Okay. And and would you say that that report, so July 9th was a Friday? Yeah. All right. Yes. So July 11th is a Sunday. Would you say that report yeah. then was filled out on the 12th, that Monday? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. They, yeah. It all got filed on the 12th. Okay. So that's what got this uh, all in motion. Now maybe we should go back uh, to this real quickly now that we've uh, kind of encapsulated those three days. Um, your daughter said that she uh, saw the person um, who picked Amanda up. Uh, what is the description of this person and the description of the vehicle? She said it was an older type, uh, like the older type Cutlass cars, like the Monte Carlo Cutlass. Okay. Like in the 80-ish, 88-ish, the older body styles. She okay. said it was gray. Um, she said it was an older gentleman. He had gray hair and gray facial hair, gray mustache, and like a gray goatee. She did see that. Okay. The, the thing she found, and I mean, at this point, you got to think she's 15, 16 years old. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they're not... She's not, you know, she's, she was pretty observant. I yeah. Guess she was able to tell what Amanda wore out the door. Okay, that's good. Um, I'm glad there was a witness to all this. She, uh, she did say that the big thing she noticed about the whole situation was the guy didn't pull up in the driveway. He pulled up out front of the house like he wanted a fast getaway, like, you mm -hmm. know, for Amanda to hurry up, come out and leave, like, to be fast. Yeah. She did know that she found that suspicious. Okay. So he wouldn't have to back out of the driveway. Right. Okay. So, did you have an idea when this description was given to you by your daughter? Did you have an idea who of who this might be? I didn't at first. It kind of took a minute because, like I said, I had so much yeah. to my mind. Yeah. Um, it took me a minute to kind of realize, like, okay. And once I was able to kind of sit down and start thinking, I did have an idea who it was. All right, we'll just use his first name. What's the person's name that you suspect picked him up? Picked her up. Uh, 
Larry. Okay. So what we're saying is that she might have been going to see Danny, but Danny was not the one who picked her up that day. No. Okay. All right, so the police get involved, and uh, do they go to speak to Danny? Do they go to speak to Larry? What do you find out from the work that they do? So first off, when all this first goes down, they they bring us, they bring us family in, kind of, talk to us. Um, then they go to bring Danny in. They do get to speak to Danny once. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up getting, then he ends up luring up. Wow, that was fast. Yeah. And the, they, and it was a very briefly talking to him, like, I mean, they, mm -hmm. it took a lot to drag him down there to get him down there yeah. to talk to him. And they, when they finally got him down there, like it was very lengthy. He kind of was like, I want a lawyer. Okay. Um, so. Did he even admit seeing Amanda on July 9th at he all? Didn't. Did it? Nothing. Mm -mm. Okay. Nothing. All right. Um, did the police speak to Larry? They did. And what happened there? Larry said he never seen her, never picked her up, nothing. So he's completely denying ever being at your house that day? Completely, yes. And does would you say that he drives, to your knowledge, does he drive a car uh, similar to the one that your daughter described? I honestly can't answer that. I don't you know. You don't know? It's something I couldn't honestly answer. Okay. okay. So we still don't know that eight years later? No. Okay. Now, we should know, though, uh, everybody should know that you've told me, though, that there were sightings of Amanda on July 9th after she got back to Springfield. I'm not sure if we were to believe them, but just explain what you've been told, where she might have been seen, etc. I got... So, when we started sharing around about her missing on Facebook, uh, you know, how the police make up a... A thing, you know, like missing adult with her picture and yeah. whatnot, and they the police share it on you know their website and whatnot. So I copied pasted it, shared it on mine, sharing it around everywhere. We hang up missing person posters, and my phone would not stop. And I mean, when I mean not stop, it didn't stop. Um, people would swear they would see her on corners prostituting, yeah. like. Yeah. They was they you just missed her. You you yeah. just missed her. She just got in this car. Like I mean, I would spend days in Springfield on what they I called mm. them dummy missions. I would be led yeah. to abandoned houses, abandoned woods, like mm -hmm. places the where if somebody wanted to probably make me disappear, it wouldn't have been very hard because at this point my main concern was finding my sister. I didn't care about my well-being. And now that I, you know, I sit here and think about some of the dumb things I did, I'm like, wow, I, you know, something seriously could have happened to me because that's how invested I was, you know, of following these leads, trying to find my sister. I even mm -hmm. wired up with the police, with someone that tried to say they seen her or whatnot. Like I 
you name it, I did it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but regarding sightings, maybe at the bar, Danny's bar, at her house, any believable... at her house. Any, the bar, it was always places away from there. That makes sense. Okay, so no sightings that somebody said, yeah, she came into the bar. Of course, a bar that her husband knows. I don't know what kind of ownership paperwork they had, but, um, you know, she, no people who were patrons at the bar that they owned saw, oh, yeah, uh, Amanda walked in here on uh, Friday evening. Anything like that? No. No. Nothing. Nope. And so when it comes to her house, none of the neighbors saying, oh, yeah, I saw somebody drop Amanda off on Friday evening, July 9th. Nope. No one. All right. So is it then your opinion eight years later that after Amanda left your place, of course, being seen uh, by your daughter, there's no reliable sightings of her after that? There isn't. Okay. There isn't. Okay. The only reliable thing, the only, re I mean, and I don't even know, I would even consider it reliable. Her phone pinged at that, mm. at her house. Okay, well, let's talk, well, let's talk about that. that. That leads us right into the, right into the next topic. So we have Danny lawyering up, not admitting that he saw Amanda at all. We have Larry, who I, I personally, I think, I believe your daughter, that he was the guy, it, it seems. Um, yeah. If that's the description and you know Amanda, you know some of her friends or you know some of her acquaintances, you know Danny's acquaintances, if you think it's Larry, I'm perfectly willing to believe it's Larry. So that takes us, like you said, to the phone records. What do the phone records say? The pings? Uh, maybe let's just start with the, the phone records, the actual numbers and, and things first. Is, uh, is there proof that Larry and uh, Amanda spoke on July 9th, July 8th, something like that? There was some phone. There was some phone calls um, from a number that was in Larry's possession, but he hmm. denied. Mm -hmm. He denied. Um, what does that mean in his possession? Do you mean he had a cell phone and that was his cell phone number? Yeah, it come from that number. Okay, so that was his his cell phone number was on um, Amanda's records. Yes. And yes. how and how did you get to see those records? I pulled them off the. I pulled, I pulled what I put off of the Verizon account that mm -hmm. I had, and then when I seen some things on there, I went to the police station. Now, mind you, I did a whole lot of footwork to yeah. try to help these police uh, out. Yeah, I did yeah. I thought they wasn't moving fast enough. Yeah, so good. I, you know, I reached out to Verizon. I said, look, and at first they was like, we need a court order. I'm like, I don't know what, why, you know, I need, I need text messages. So I get all these text messages back and forth. And like I said, it was a phone call. It wasn't a text mm -hmm. message, but I had messages back and forth between her and Danny also. Okay. Uh, on this, on these phone records. Okay. I got all that, get all that to the detectives. Um, mm -hmm. But then. It wasn't enough because the detectives had to be the one to get it, if that makes sense. Because I could have somehow messes, messed with mm. it, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I guess. I said, okay, then I've got you started on something like here. You So then I signed the release for them to get the phone records mm -hmm. and whatnot. So they get all this, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I have her, and at this point, you know, I have her phone pinged. It's pinging at her. Yeah. Avondale house address. 
So the cell phone's there, but no one knows where the cell phone's at. It isn't like I'm I can go in there and search that house. Okay. You know, I'm not allowed. To, you know. Okay. Are you saying she even that left her house keys? She even left. The funny thing is, is when she left, she left her house keys, her the keys to the bar, everything mm-hmm. at my house. Mm-hmm. I still have these keys, keys to cars. Okay. Um, what, uh, so are you saying that her cell phone is still missing eight years later as well? Yes. All right. So she's missing. Her cell phone's missing. Any other possessions of hers missing? I mean, the all everything's missing of hers. And the only thing that I have of hers is what she had at my house was some clothes. Okay. Um, so like her ID, her driver's license, purse or something like that, that's missing. That went missing with her. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right, so you managed to get these records off the Verizon account. Very smart on your part. So you ended up giving them uh, to the police. And like we've already stated, Larry's number was on those records, like July 8th, July 9th. Mm-hmm. All right, so it makes sense then, once again, going to back to what your daughter said about somebody fitting Larry's description, um, picking her up. When was the last phone call or text, uh, if you can remember, what was the last phone call or text made on her phone? Did she make any calls or texts after she left your house? She didn't. None? None. Nothing. Wow. Okay. And that's what we found. Yeah. That, that was something else. You know, and then yeah. there I am, this whole guilt, like, okay, maybe I should have went Saturday, you know. You know, like, here I am a whole day behind now. They're a day ahead of me. Whatever's happened, they're a whole day ahead of me. Mm-hmm. is how I'm thinking now yeah. in my head. Right. Yeah, you you feel like you're behind. Yeah. You, you're working from behind. I, and that, I, that, I feel like I've worked behind for eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That's a very common feeling. You're, you feel like, uh, yeah, that they're way out in front of you. It's like starting a race, and they got to start way ahead of where you you did. I. I feel like I just get, I mean, I feel like I just get laughed at every day. Like, it's how I feel. Like, I struggle. Like, I'm going into that town. I mean, I have family that live in that town. My mom's buried in that town. Like, I I grew up in that town, you know? And I struggle going up there because I feel like people just laugh at me. Like, Uh, well, I'm not laughing. Uh, You know, I think, uh, Aaliyah, that you've done very good work to get those phone records. You don't know how many people don't do that. They have the access to them and don't do it, you know, and that you did it so quickly. I, I, you know, you should not be laughed at. I'm not laughing at you. I think that you've done about as best as you can under the situation, especially being a single mother with children living an hour and a half away, etc. You know, so nobody should be. The only people who are laughing at you are people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Okay, they should not be taken seriously. But what you're saying is that the phone ping was at her house. Yes. Okay. So we have these phone records, but no phone records, no proof of any communication after she got picked up that day. But then the phone did ping at the house, but once again, the phone is missing. Uh, Even in the last eight years, have you ever um, been inside that house? I haven't. No? Okay. Have no. the did the police ever get a warrant to go inside that house? Did they get a warrant to go inside the bar, for example? We'll get to this other uh, building here in a moment, but for the house or the bar, any warrants, anything like that? Yes, they did get um, warrants to go into um, the house on Avondale, which okay. was their residence. Okay. They took um, 
five cadaver dogs when they went in. Mm. Um, they they did find some um, evidence in there that the cadaver dogs uh, hit 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 on. Okay. Um, the the few things that I know is like a a, a coat which was like um, some type of like NASCAR slash racing coat, which was Danny's that the dogs hit hit on. Okay. They sent that to BCI. A rug got sent to BCI. And they, I remember them, they jackhammered up some of his basement because the dogs wow. had some concrete down there. Wow. And then there was a shed type thing out behind their house. Um, it was like a, it was like kind of like a, it had a cement floor, like a garage floor, but it was a shed. Like you could really only probably put like a motorcycle in it to store or something. You couldn't put a car in it. Um, they also, the dogs hit out there. So they jackhammered that all up and they hmm. took some things from out there to BCI. All right. So they were doing some work. They also found burn, like a lot of Amanda's possessions burned in the yard. Hmm. Where he had like had some type of fire and burned him in the yard, like clothes, just different things. I mean, they didn't get into great detail as far as what it was, mm -hmm. but they kind of showed me pictures of some things. Um, it was burned mm -hmm. in the yard. So do they you, took some of that. Do you have those pictures? I have one picture that someone took for me and send it mm. to me i'd have to dig it off my phone but i do have all right picture. well i'd like to uh, see that and i'd like to certainly okay. let the uh listeners see that okay. as well we could post that on facebook instagram okay. uh everywhere so if you could send that to I me after we're done with the interview yeah. uh that'd be fine um of course we have some days before this episode will come out all right so it sounds like they're doing some good work uh, getting the jackhammers out following some leads but no sign of, at least to this point in our discussion, no signs uh, of Amanda in the house, no signs that she was deceased, once again, at least to this point in this discussion, correct? At least in those areas. Correct. Okay. But they're doing good work, and once again, uh, we have to remember that Danny uh, totally lawyered up regarding this. Uh, Larry, of course, anybody else that the police talked to that they thought... Uh, might have knowledge of Amanda's disappearance beside Larry and Danny. They talked to uh, Danny's parents, which they lawyered up immediately also. Danny's brother and his wife, they mm. lawyered up immediately also. Okay. Um, they okay. talked to a guy named Aaron. And right. tried to help cut him a deal for some information mm. okay which but didn't work anybody given any uh anybody given any lie detector tests anybody danny yes uh, no they all refused the lie detector all refused tests. okay all right, so police are doing it, it seems, as best they can under the circumstances. I give you a lot of credit for getting, uh, you know, information that you could give to them as far as phone information, etc. This brings us to the renter story, which, um, you know, uh, you may not know this, Aaliyah, but the listeners surely know that we don't talk too much about forensics on Unfound simply because usually there are none. 
Um, even if there are, people wouldn't know where to look to find the, to find them. You know, DNA, blood evidence. Usually, it's mostly person here one second, gone the next. No signs of violence. Nothing. That's usually the way it is. But uh, it seems that Amanda's is at least a little different. Could certainly be different. Um, when did this story about the renter and this rental property pop up? I I would say it was around uh, September-ish, October-ish, 2013. All right, so two to three months after. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, the bar Danny and Amanda owned, there is a house that's, like, connected to the bar. It kind of reminds you... If you if you're picturing this, think of a half double, but the other half is a bar. The okay. other half is like a, a house, you know, a, a one or two bedroom apartment. Um, and he had a renter in there. The okay. renter came forward at one point because Danny had asked him he needed to leave the premises because Danny needed to do some work. Hmm. There is a crossface and i've personally been in this house so i i can visualize okay. as far as please, what you're talking about great please describe it there when you walk in the front door in the living room it's like hardwood floors and there is a spot in the living room you can lift up on the floor and if it's kind of like an attic in a garage type thing you can pull down and there's a ladder well this is just something that's in the floor you know it, it comes up out of the floor and you can go down into the crawl space and access pipes or whatnot into the house it's not really big but it's good size okay supposedly dean needed to do some work in the house had to have the renter out of there for a while so the renter left and whatnot and then it wasn't too long after that the renter reached out to the detectives Mm-hmm. And the detectives came. The renter reached out to the detectives, saying that Danny had had him leave the property for really uh, no for no explanation. Yeah, right. He okay. Supposed we had to do some work, but Danny didn't go in detail. Didn't say what. He just had to do some work. Okay. So he found that kind of weird, but the guy left. So. I'm not sure what got the detectives in there as far as a search warrant. I don't know that, but I know they got a search warrant. As soon as I heard about the search warrant, I made sure I was present, but I had to stay across the street. So I stayed across the street. I did watch them carry out brown bags. BCI was there. House was taped off. Um, it was there for a very long time. And took a week or two, 10 days. I finally get back, you know, the detectives get back with me. They call me in. And at this point, they've been, you know, really good about as far as what they're finding, what they have found, and what they're doing. So at this point, they called me in and they was like, we did find some things, but we had to send them out to BCI. So before we can even tell you what we found, what not, we can't say because it has to be clarified through BCI. So I said, okay. So another week or two passes. I get a call. Me and my dad go in for a meeting with detectives. They come back. They said what they found in the crawl space was evidence that at some point Amanda was there. Huh. Now, 
why Amanda would be down there alive. They don't really know why because she's not a plumber. She's mm-hmm. not an electrician. If you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of what they got out with us. They did find hair, skin, wow. and skin cells. Wow. Match my sister's DNA. In this crawl space underneath this rental next to the bar. Yes. Okay. Um, I know what you just said about she's not a plumber or anything. Any other reason you could ever imagine that she would have had to have gone down in this crawl space? For example, you know, if she and Danny, of course, are married and maybe they're doing some work on this place before, you know, renting it out, could she have been down in there doing something just in preparing for a new renter to come in? Uh, was this a rental property that that one of them had before they got married? Do we know? You know what? She would have. She would have no reason to be down there, and it's not a very big, huge space. So it isn't like, like the detective said, it isn't like you're gonna get four people down there. Mm-hmm. And and that was kind of like, like when they started the conversation with us, they was like, basically, what they found was, you know. What they when they told us what they found, they was like, I mean, they couldn't clarify, obviously, because there's no evidence. Mm-hmm. But how big of know. a space are we talking between the floor and the ground? How big of a distance would you say it is? I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, if you think about like two feet, three feet. I mean, it would be. I mean, Amanda was like five. Four, five, five. I mean, you know, when you go down there, you're going to have to kind of shuffle down, shimmy down. You know, you're mm-hmm. talking a crawl space. Kind of think of like a. So if you were, if you were, pers- if you were personally standing in this crawl space, your feet on the ground, where would the floor be on your, on your body? Would it be at your waist? Would it be at your thighs? Would it be at your stomach? How deep is it? Do you think if you were standing in that, I guess it'd be kind of a hole. Yeah, it's kind of like a hole. Like I don't think I could even. I'm only, I'm only five foot, and I don't think I could physically stand completely all the way up in there. But I mm-hmm. could be pretty close to standing up in there. All right, so it's pretty sense. big then. So it's almost. Yeah, it's, all right, so it's not like a crawl yeah. space. You, I know five foot is not very tall. No offense, Aaliyah. but um, still five feet between the floor and the ground is is considerable. Right, and you all have right. to think now, Danny. Now picture her husband. Now, mind you, her husband's like two fifty, three hundred. Wow. Okay. Okay. So when I'm thinking crawl space, I'm thinking that this man ain't much of him going to fit down there if any of him, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Or if he did, you know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't going to be easy. Yeah. Okay. All right. So they went down and and do you remember how long it took them to um, do the DNA check? I I mean, I know these days we're we're finding out DNA tests take a long time. How long did it take to figure out that uh, this hair or whatever else was from Amanda? It it, it seemed like it took forever, but I'm going to tell you what, anything, and it was really cool because BCI at this point, you know, you think eight years prior to the world now, there was a little less violence. So, mm-hmm. it, it didn't take quite as long. I mean, usually 10 days to two weeks, if that. And it was, you know, they tried to put a rush on everything just because how sensitive the case was. Because the longer it took to get DNA back or whatever, that's more time that whatever happened to him, 
they could be ahead of us, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, is the okay. way they would think. So it always, it you know, it usually came back pretty quick. I mean. Okay. All right. So they found uh, forensics of uh, Amanda down in this, what we call a crawl space, but it sounds like something that you could almost stand up in. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on the person. I mean, it's not huge. It's not small. Okay. Okay. All right. So what did Danny have to say about this when this was discovered? Well, he didn't know anything about it. And he, at this point, he's lawyered up. So mm-hmm. everything, anything the detectives found or whatever obviously went through the lawyer. And okay. like I said, there's not everything I know about the case. Um, but the detectives were pretty open with us for as much as they could be and as much as I pursued. Um, mm-hmm. But he didn't know anything about it. He still claims he didn't see Amanda. He didn't know what happened to right. her. He's, you know, swore she took off to Florida. I guess what we're saying is Danny never offered up his own reason as to why uh, Amanda's DNA or hair etc. would be found in this space below the floor. Nope. And he didn't have to, you know. It, he didn't have to have, you know what I'm saying, he didn't have to have a reason. Because he, I, I mean, he was a suspect. They was mm-hmm. looking at him. Okay. He as he, as his, uh, her husband, he couldn't say, oh yeah, I remember this time she was down there. Well, that's no big deal. Yeah, she was down there. Yeah. He never said anything yeah. like that. Nope. Nope. Okay. Now, the problem, though, uh, as uh, we discovered recently when you told me who the renter is, is that um, the guy who was a renter was a felon, too, correct? Yes. All right. So that maybe presents a problem, and he's a friend of Danny's, correct? Yes. All right. So everybody will have to factor that into their calculations uh, unfortunately as well. But like I said, we don't talk about forensics too often in disappearances, but, um, you know, something we certainly have to talk about, I guess, you know, we could believe that we, of course we don't theorize on here on the program, but I think that I I know where the listeners minds will go, but we have to realize, of course she was not found down there. And how would it be, you know, if she was down there, how long was she down there? Why was she, you know, why would she have been there uh, if, if somebody put her there uh, and then she wasn't there when this renter came forward? It's a little hard to understand. Okay. What did uh, Danny do after uh, Amanda went missing? Did he get another girlfriend? Did he get, uh, did file for divorce, get married again? What did he do after he never, Amanda went missing? He ne- he never filed for a divorce. Um, from what I mean, from what I from what I know, I mean, I, like I said, I tried to avoid Springfield at all costs. Mm-hmm. Um, from what people, like I said, I was born and raised there. Lots of family there, lots of friends. But from what I, you know, what people would tell me when they would see Danny, he hung out in the bar a lot. He drank a lot. It was like that was his way of evidently dealing with stuff, not being sober. Okay. And I also kind of wanted to factor in, too, that, you know, in this whole mess of a situation, you know, he, he did love Amanda. You know, at one point, he, he did love Amanda. He I truly believe he loved my sister. Mm-hmm. And 
in the psychology part, I get the type of person Danny was that rather I didn't know where she was would go crazy. That. Yeah, where she was at all times. Mm-hmm. So dead or alive, he knew where she was. Okay. And he was okay with that, as long as he knew where she was at. Okay. All right, so it's uh, if something happened, if we're to believe maybe Danny is responsible for this, it's not like uh, he did it, you know, to because he had some new girlfriend or something like that. If we're to, once again, if we're to believe that, but, you know, the unfortunate part is that there's no information putting Danny and um, Amanda together. Uh, there certainly is information putting Amanda and Larry together, but. Um, he hasn't been very helpful uh, either. What about this? I have it in my notes. This new detective that came on in 2014. Um, this detective got to speak to Danny. Um, yes. She she was awesome. She was amazing. She got this case moving rather quickly. Um, she did several, several digs. Hmm. Um in Kentucky, things like that. Um, she's actually the one that got the search warrant for the house. She, mm-hmm. I mean, she got the ball rolling. She was amazing. Uh, okay. She worked night and day on that case. I mean, she did speak to Danny. And like I said, <laughs> a couple times that it, they were lengthy, very lengthy. You know, they, they was very short, short and sweet. And mm-hmm. he's lawyered up. And like right. you said, it made it very difficult when someone lawyers up because then you go through a lawyer constantly trying to go through a lawyer. Yeah. And, you know. Okay. So this detective, this new one in 2014, uh, she did a good job while she was on it. Yes, she did. Okay. Now, where is uh, Danny Romine now? Danny Romine died in 2015, in December. Wow. So like two and a half years after Amanda went missing, he died. How did he die? Um, enlarged heart and drug overdose. How did you find out about that? Air public records, autopsy report. Or how, how did you find out that he was dead, I guess oh. I should say. How did you find out that he was dead? I can still remember what I was doing that morning. I actually was just gotten into a sink full of dishes and my cell phone rings and it's a Springfield number. Now, mind you, I've had the same phone number almost 10 years because I refuse to change it mm-hmm. just in case my sister knows this number. Um, but I seen a Springfield number pop up and I answered it and it was like the corner is at Avondale, which is Danny's house. They was like, Danny's dead. And I said, what? Huh. I said, let me call you back. So I hang up. I have the detective's cell phone number. I mean, we're actually, you know, good friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've known her, you know, several years now. She, you know. So I call her. And I said, are you standing over his dead body? And she took a long pause. And she said, how did you know? Hmm. And I said, I just got the call. Hmm. And 
I mean, that's how fast news travels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that goes to show you. I still live an hour and a half away and still knew that fast. Yeah. And I mean, it sucked because I was like, man, it just serves them right. But then it's like, now I'm never going to find my sister because he knew of all people he knew. And he took it with mm-hmm. him. Is uh, Larry still around? He is. Okay. Well, there's still a connection there, maybe. Uh, doesn't seem like he has uh, grown a conscience yet, but we can always uh, hold out. Hope. Uh, what about Danny's parents? Are they, they still around? They are. Okay. Well. Well, then uh, maybe we still have some hope there. Uh, still some people I, that, you know, that... You I know. do, and they thought, the detectives thought, you know, maybe with Danny passing away, they thought maybe it was like they thought it would be their big break. They really did. Mm-hmm. They was like, this might be the big break. And, I mean, it nothing, you know. I mean, it sometimes it goes in spurts. I might not hear anything. And then every now and then, you know, I might get somebody messaging me saying, I heard this or I heard, you know, but it's like, I try to tell these people and, you know, I don't know if these listeners want to know, let me tell you, a missing person's case is not like they show on TV. No, it's It's not. not. It's not like, you know, CSI. No, it's not. (laughs) For sure. What these people need to understand is, is, and I tell these people, you know, I appreciate you calling or you texting and telling me what you heard, but I really need you to call these detectives because by the time I get it to the detectives, it's third-hand information and it's junk, mm-hmm. basically. Yep. And it's like, but a lot of people won't go to the detectives and I don't know why. It's like, I could never withhold information like that. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, uh, Leah, that I know we've covered several cases where I know the parents are covering up for their guilty children. Okay, no, that that is, that is that is common. I'm not a parent, so I can't put myself in that position. But I do. There is no doubt. You know that is certainly true in many cases that we've covered, where parents certainly know that what something their child did and just covering it up, not saying anything. So. It very well could be that Danny's parents are like that, or it's very possible they don't know anything. Uh, you know, we just it's just hard to say uh, right at this point. Um, it's like in Danny's obituary, they never mentioned his wife or anything. That was, like, even wow. weird. Oh, my. Like, why, wow. you know... They yeah. never came to one interview, one visual. They never helped mm. search one time, like, nothing. It was like nothing to them. Not a thing. Okay. How has this affected your family? Of course, we we know you are Amanda's sister, but about your older brother, your younger sister, um, I I think you said at some point that your mother has died since uh, Amanda went missing. Is that correct? Yeah, my mom passed away August. Um, 16th of 2013. So really not long after Amanda went missing? Nope. 
Wow. And my dad passed away October 28th of 2019. Oh, my. Oh, my. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard. I mean, I, I think about her every day. Yeah. I think of ways that I can keep her name out there. I just don't want people to forget. Right. You know? I mean... Closure would be nice. I mean, I feel like a big, you know, big chunk of my heart's missing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I, I just need that closure. I mean, I feel like sometimes, I mean, I, it consumes my life a lot, <clears throat> but then I also get that guilt, like it's hard to have fun or laugh or smile. You know, when a big part of me is missing. She was a big part of my life. Yeah. I mean, she was, I was very close to her. And just to have somebody yanked away like that is just, it's an indescribable feeling. When was the last time you spoke uh, to the police department about Amanda's disappearance? I actually spoke to them this week. Did you? I did. Okay, so they take your calls, huh? You're... The old detective took my call. Um, the new detective still hasn't answered my calls, doesn't no. answer my calls. <laughs> huh. So I reached out to the old detective, um, gave her some information that I received via Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um she was going to get with the head prosecutor because I kind of was like, look, I can't, re- I, you know, I can't get a hold of the current detective and I'm really getting fed up with this. I've, you know, did my part, you know, they've asked, you know, they asked his family to, you know, s- stay back out of the investigation because we could, you know, mess it up. Or if we did, if they did find something, you know, we could mess it up if they had evidence, which I, I get all that. I understand that. And it's like the further we stay back from it, it's like I feel like we're just, you know, Amanda's forgotten. Like I explained to them, I understand that there's still crime in the world. I do. But if I'm bringing you new information, I feel like it should be checked out. Yeah. So I reached out to the old detective. They're supposed to get back with me hopefully this week. If I don't hear anything back phone, I'll drive down because when I'm in person, they don't have a choice but to see me. That's right. Show up in person. That's a good, always a good choice. Yes, that's always a good choice. That's usually what I do. I just show up down there and then, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I try not to be demanding. I try not to be that way, but, you know, like I said, she's still missing. She's still a person. You know, she's still somebody's family. And, I mean, I just feel like if I'm bringing you information or whatnot, if I've got it in black and white, you know, it should be something you guys should check into because I can't check into it because it could corrupt the case. You know, I I just don't know what they want from me sometimes. Yeah. Let's end with this. Uh, do you have a Facebook page uh, set up for Amanda's disappearance? Anything like that? I do. Oh, um, please tell us now. It's just, uh, 
It's just under her name. It's just Amanda Romine Ward. It's just a Facebook page for her. I share all her missing persons. Um, sometimes we might tag her in little funny memes or any memories. Or if I see something on Facebook that kind of reminds me of her, you know, I'll tag her in it. Just kind of a, just a little place for me to go sometimes. Mm-hmm. Why don't you I mean, say that? Why kids. don't you say that uh, the Facebook page one more time there, Alia? Um, it is under Amanda Romine Ward. All right, so it's like the I, I know that several places it's Ward Romine, but for the Facebook page you put Romine Ward. Ward. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Any final words before we complete this interview? Don't fight with your family or siblings. If you do, you know, make it right because they can be gone so quickly. And I hate to see that. I see that so much. People fighting with their siblings or their family. Yeah. And I want to tell you, life happens so fast. I never got to, you know, my last conversation with my sister is not what I wanted. And had I not, you know, I didn't even know it was going to be my last one. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, whether it's a disappearance like that, this, or a, a sudden death, or you know, a car wreck, or something like that. That you never know when those are going to be the last words you say to somebody. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you don't think it can happen to you. You don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I never in my life thought I'd ever, you know, have to deal with something like this ever. And here I am. Mm. Yeah. You know, still eight years later, fighting, just trying to figure out. Well, I will uh, try to assist you as best I can, Aaliyah. Uh, as long as her case is unsolved, you know, you know, um, you can call me, text me, you know, email me anything, you know, that pops up. I, I always want to be a resource for you. Um, you know, uh, I know there's a. A lot of people you cannot trust in the community, but I, I think I am a person you can trust 100%, and, I'm, and I will always give you good advice. So, uh, you I know, know, I, I mean, appreciate it so much taking the time to do this for me and for Amanda. I'm so grateful. You're very welcome, and I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my July 25th. 2021 interview with Aaliyah Dancer, sister of Amanda Ward Romine. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. As you heard, Aaliyah and I discussed some pictures during the interview. Those can now be found on Unfound's Facebook page, our Twitter feed, the website, and Instagram. There are some points to talk about that came from the interview. Number one, Amanda's disappearance shows how even after a potential suspect dies, and it seems he probably had help in pulling off the disappearance, and that he was surely the instigator, that others can still be reluctant to talk, even eight years later. However, here's what I think I know. Whether the guy who picked Amanda up was Larry or someone else, 
There is no way that person could have predicted Amanda would go missing. Why? Because what kind of person is going to show his face and his car if he knows a crime is about to be committed? So there's that. Point number two. Unfortunately, there could be very good reasons why Amanda's hair was found in that crawl space and they could have nothing to do with her disappearance. Amanda and Danny were married. So my guess is at least on paper, they both owned that property. So it's at least conceivable that yes, Amanda had been in that crawl space before, alive and well, while working on something, replacing something, taking something out of there. Because I have to admit that I'm confused as to why someone would put her in there, only leave her there for a short time, then move her. Because any transporting of her remains once, twice, three times would have only increased the chances of getting caught. Point number three, and this is the final one, I think Aaliyah made a great point at the end of the interview regarding to make full use of the time you have left and to not leave arguments and such hang out there. But this should also be a message to investigators. There isn't endless time to figure these disappearances out. Because with Amanda's case, Danny being deceased only makes things harder, whether you believe he is the only suspect or not. The time is now for all these cases. Why? Because it happens quick. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.